0: So it's really important to to choose your reality and to choose how you experience your life. Because literally by making those choices, you are rewiring your brain for health and happiness or rewiring your brain for sadness, despair or, you know, things that you don't really necessarily want to become your
1: world. Hello, my friends all around the world, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. We have a great session for you today. We have Anaya with us, and she is a member of our Rheumatoid Support Forum, and she's enormously helpful and supportive of other members inside our group. She hosts laughter yoga sessions and uh, really gets behind everyone with such enthusiasm and just has a real zest and positivity in life. And she was going to put on this session for our members uh, that we're going to cover today. And I said, Anaya, why don't we record it as a podcast? Because you need to have a bigger audience. Because you have so much positivity, and you have so many great ideas around these things. That why don't we record this tips and tricks session uh, and share it with everyone? So, Anaya, why don't you introduce yourself? uh, Give us a bit more of a background about your personal journey so far with rheumatoid. And then we'll get into your session and we'll talk about these ideas you have around mindset that have really helped you.
0: Great. Thank you, Clint. Um, lovely to be here. Yeah, so I guess my story, I was diagnosed last year, um, June or July, with uh, rheumatoid arthritis. When I was diagnosed, it took a bit of time. I was unable to walk Um, sit on the toilet, (laughs) wipe your bottom, you know, those things that you like to be able to do yourself, Uh, pick up a cup of tea, really move much. I couldn't go to the bathroom on my own. Uh, You know, I had a seat in the shower and things like that. Um, So it was a pretty challenging time and definitely took me to probably the depths of my human experience this far. And so since then, I, I did the let's not have any drugs for five weeks is <laughs> as long as I managed. And then I, I got on methotrexate. I t- started taking that really only three weeks before I found the Patterson program, and I, I found – it was funny, I was just online Googling programs for people with RA, and um, Clint popped up, and it said that he had a – um a seminar starting in 10 minutes that a live seminar so I was like oh my goodness this is you know this is it this has got to be it and then I was listening to everything he had to say and going oh my goodness I'm not going to to afford this this is crazy and what do you know I can and obviously it's worth it anyway so I started on that and pretty much I started that very end of October And within a month, my CRP had gone from, I think it was 69 at its highest, uh, down to to one. Uh, I could walk. I could, you know, progressively start doing more and more things. I build my my strength back, uh, my resilience back. Um, I haven't had any problems with food. Food's been great. Um, I just followed the program to a T. And I'm in a place right now where I, I feel really strong in my body. I, I don't have any inflammation. Um, I was actually, um, my rheumatologist said that I was in remission and I had been for six months. And then um, it must have been about a month ago now, I <laughs> I bumped my knee quite um, well on the chair, which caused localised inflammation in one knee. So it didn't uh, Go anywhere else, and I was determined that it wasn't going to go anywhere else. And that was starting to get better, which was really, really great. And the inflammation was going down. And then I went to a physio, and I physioed it, um, and that didn't work out very well for me. So then I made the decision to to get a steroid injection in my knee, which I hadn't had before, because I wanted to get rid of any residual inflammation I want to be able to run again I I mean I am running again but I'd like to be able to run in the way that I was running which was for a few hours at a time and that's been great um so yeah I'm feeling fantastic really great in my body ready to really expand my life again um, make it bigger and um just do all the things that I've been imagining doing for about a year
1: putting the you know a couple of mishaps aside of the knee i mean your progress is nothing short of remarkable hmm. i mean what's it feel like to compare <laughs> to where you were
0: well i've had a bit of practice in dealing with chronic illness i was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome a, a few years ago and i recovered from fully from that so i you know a lot of these uh mindset skills and tips and tricks that I have a hard hard one and uh, things that have worked for me so I had all that stuff going in for the arthritis and I think the other thing is I just have a really low threshold for pain you know of any kind that's very motivating for me so I was determined to do absolutely everything I could to to heal and get well yeah it does. It just feels amazing. I just feel so much gratitude um for the program and for everybody that's supported me and, and helped me out and just really for life um and for what I've learned through through the experience because you know there's always good things that that come out of hard times. you know diamonds are found in the dark, so yeah, pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> yes, you're um you're both a very good teacher but also a great student every single nuance that i've told you you have implemented so Mm -hmm. if i've said no you need to do this slight modification of this exercise you've done it or try this you've done it Um, and so i think your malleability your flexibility uh, these things enable you to find results and like you say, find these diamonds and whatever, because Mm -hmm. you're willing to explore, test new things and so on. So um, Mm -hmm. congratulations on all that you've achieved so far. I'm going to let you do all the talking. I'm a little stuffy. Uh, (laughs) I've been brought down by something the kids had at school last week and I'm on the recovery, but people don't want to hear me in this episode. Let's hear your um, tips and tricks around mindset. To help when uh, we we have this condition.
0: Thank you, thank you very much. So I guess when I when I think of well, when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, I really thought to myself, "What's this about? You know, what does it represent? What does it mean?" And you know, rheumatoid arthritis is essentially an inflammatory condition and uh, an overreactivity in your body. It's when your body is overresponding, overcompensating. And, and irritated with something, and so for me, the question I really ask myself is: Is where am I overresponding? Where am I irritated? Where you know where am where am I doing too much? Where am I going? Um, just being overreactive, really. And for me, it also seems that it's fundamentally a condition where your nervous system and your immune system are really overreactive. So the place that I really started was was with the immune system and the nervous system. And it seems to me as well that when you have a chronic illness, there are a few traps, doesn't matter what it is or you know how it, what body system it, it is impacting. There are six things I think that are really fundamental that you need to attend to one of those is stress and I'll go into a bit more depth about these things but one of them is stress and we know that with rheumatoid arthritis another is bad habits our beliefs and I know that Alyssa is doing quite a lot of work on beliefs past trauma the lifestyle factors and Patterson program addresses and looks at a lot of those and then also forgetting to re-engage with joy and with your passions, because when you're stuck in chronic illness, you you, tend, you sort of get into survival mode some of the time and very narrow blinkers and your attentional focus is really just consumed with, with a, a few things and the rest of life just kind of passes you by. So yeah. Um, These are things that I'm going to be talking about, just little things that we can do to have a look at those um, areas of our lives. And I'm guessing people, I don't know what who knows too much about the nervous system, but, you know, we have, generally speaking, the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight aspect of our nervous system. It's the bit of us that gets activated when we feel like our survival is threatened where um, you know the lion is going to eat us so it takes all the blood away from a lot of some of the organs and it it redirects it to whatever you need to do to get away so you need to activate your your big leg muscles you need to have respiratory system functioning and all that kind of stuff and it takes it away from things that you don't really need to do at that moment like um Complex mathematical processing, or you know, anything really involved in a lot of creative thought or anything like that, your survival mode. So it's, it's, it's get out of there. And in contrast, the parasympathetic nervous system is the system that when it's activated, it's our healing, our resting, our digesting system. And, you know, back in the caveman days, and you can see this when you look at wildlife um, videos of animals if, if their life is threatened they are high alert they run away and then really really quickly the animals just settle back down to grazing chilling out eating digesting going about life but humans don't tend to do that we tend to get stuck in the sympathetic activation and this is essentially what chronic stress is. We get chronically stuck in being overactivated and that takes a lot of the the blood and nutrients away from the organs, which means they aren't functioning properly and redirects it to, to places that we think that we need to save our own life. And the reason that this, Seems to happen in humans is because we have such incredible brains. We have an incredible imagination, and you know we can think of something. So, for example, um, if you close your eyes and you bring your hand up to your mouth and you imagine biting into a lemon, every single one of you can sense that. You can feel it viscerally in your body. You know what that's like. You 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 can feel it. It feels. It can feel very real. And our brains actually don't know the difference between a lot of the stimulus that we imagine and reality. For the brain, it is reality. So it has the same physiological response. So what that means is if something happens to us and uh, I don't know, you get hit by a car when you're, you're three years old or something and you remember it, every time you remember it, it's kind of like your, re, your, your brain is remembering that and your body can have that same visceral stress response. And then that can become hardwired in your brain and it might be stored as a, a traumatic memory, which elicits certain uh, emotional, spiritual, physiological responses whenever you recall it. And the other thing that humans tend to do is, you know, has In terms of evolution, it was really important that we remembered the things that could threaten our lives, like the lions or the the poisonous berries or whatever. We had to remember that because if we didn't and we went to pat the kitty cat or eat the berries, we could literally die. So we had to remember those things. So those negative experiences get hardwired very quickly and very, very effectively. So that's 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 a really important thing to remember. Then the other thing is too, in modern humans, you know, fast forward, most of the stressors that we experience are imagined. They are not, well, the ones that activate our sympathetic nervous systems, they are not ones that are going to kill us. They are not ones that threaten our survival. They are things that we are imagining and catastrophizing quite often And, you know, you say something stupid, right? I mean, if you're anything like like me, I'd say something stupid and I'd be like, oh my God, a nay, you dick, you idiot. Oh, why'd you say that? What a plunker, you know? I've done it again. And I might relive that experience for minutes. I might relive it hours later, weeks later, months later, over and over and over again. Maybe I think about it 100 times. Maybe I think it 500 times. But every single time I do that, I strengthen that neural network in my brain and it becomes hardwired, okay? Now, here's a question for you. Think about the last awesome thing that happened to you. Um, I don't know, maybe you had a really delicious, go with papaya for Clint, papaya or something. Maybe you were watching your child laugh. Um, Maybe you got this amazing gift that was right on the spot. How long did you spend thinking about how fantastic that was? You know, how many times did you revisit that memory? You know, when was, and the last time that you did something that was really incredible or you achieved something really fantastic, how many of you sat there and really dove and really thought about it and and relived it? Or did you just go, yeah, that's great, but moving along? You know, I mean, part of this is a bit more of a cultural thing, but how often do we really revisit the good things that happen to us? You know, not very often. So our brain is kind of geared to really wire negative things, but not positive things. And as humans, we just don't tend to focus on the great things, the good things enough. So whenever we make those choices, not to do that or to do that know that you are having an impact on your brain so it's really important to to choose your reality and to choose how you experience your life because literally by making those choices you are rewiring your brain for health and happiness or rewiring your brain for sadness despair or you know things that you don't really necessarily want to become your world
1: so so a question that comes to my mind is what's the uh, what's the interruption what's the uh, intervention if we have this pattern that we're running uh, there's a lot of different things i mean that 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 could be done you can simply just attempt to think about something else and to stop that replay or whatever uh, yeah. but is there a sort of a professional approach if you like
0: Yeah, well, there are lots of different approaches, and the thing is, I mean, basically, you've got a conditioned mind, and you want to recondition it. This is what this is, you know, neuroplasticity, which is funny (laughs) because I mean, everybody's talking about it like it's the buzz thing. And the first paper in neuroplasticity was published, I think, in 1981, so it's been around a long time. But it's it's not a big mystery. It's not hard. It really is about being aware of aware and making choices and one that I'm going to be um I'm going to talk about that absolutely about different things that we can do to rewire our brain and um also the things that without maybe our awareness are actually conditioning our brain for things that don't really support us in our in the life leading the lives that we really really want to lead So the first thing I was going to talk about is stress. So we just talked about the sympathetic nervous system and that whole stress response. So really important um, to remember that the brain um, doesn't know the difference between real and perceived stimulus. So there's a few things that we can do to calm down our sympathetic nervous system. And one of the things that you definitely recommend is, is meditation. And that calms the system. And when you combine meditation with the um, different kinds of breath, that activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which brings us into a state of, of healing, healing and digestion and all the things that we really want to optimise um, for our recovery it also increases the size of the amygdala. So being in constant stress reduces the size of some of the parts of the limbic system, which are part of our old brain, which is really the part of the brain that's involved in this fight or flight response. And um, so meditation actually changes your grey matter as well. It increases the amount of your prefrontal cortex, I think, and stuff. So meditation is like... Um, something that we do out of love for ourselves so it's 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 also choosing a perspective oh, i don't have to do meditation do i it's i 'm choosing to do this for my health and healing to lay a really good foundation to support my recovery and so that comes the body, which is really important because arthritis being reactive I think it's absolutely essential that there is a really good focus on doing everything and anything that you can whatever that looks like for you to calm the body and the other thing that's really calming things that are calming for the body uh, is the breath so when you want to activate the parasympathetic nervous system we really want to focus on increasing the length of the exhale Now, remembering, too, that breathing is like anything else, it requires practice. So don't anticipate that you can suddenly breathe in for 12. You know, you go to a yoga class and they're like, oh, you breathe in for 12 and you're like, uh, uh," and then breathe out for 12. It's not possible, you know. It's like running a race. If you've just started to run, you're not going to go and enter a marathon, you know. you Maybe just do a training run first. I don't know. You do something else. So There's a breath called the six-six breath, which balances the nervous system, the sympathetic and the um, parasympathetic nervous system. And that's six in the nose and six out the mouth. So this is your own six count. That's one example of a breath. One of the ones I really like to do, I call it smell the roses. So I inhale through the nose with with, um, a smile, like I'm smelling a rose. So... And then I exhale through the mouth like I'm blowing out a candle. So inhale through the nose with a smile.
2: <sighs> and then exhale through
0: a candle. And also when you smile, you're releasing a little bit of dopamine and serotonin, which help support you rewiring your brain. So we're rewiring our brain right now for calm. So
1: that's my smell the roses breath. The other just, wanted, breath- I just wanted, um, what a perfect illustration of the uh, the way to uh, do the breath by thinking of smelling the rose because you know it's almost like nature's you know perfect enticement to do this because when you're smelling that rose you do smile you do breathe in through your through your nose you do tend to look up when you're doing it you do. And then you do sort of breathe out through your mouth because you don't want to lose the smell in your nose. Like the whole thing, <laughs> it's almost like the ultimate reset for your nervous system is yeah. nature and smelling flowers.
0: Absolutely. Actually, that's like a, such a great idea for meditation. you just go on a smell the flowers meditation where you walk around the garden and you just stop in front of one and you're like, and just revel in it. That's great. I love that because, you know, sitting down in meditation is challenging, can be challenging with joint stuff going on, and it doesn't work for everybody. So if you need to do a walking one, there's a fabulous idea right there. Awesome. Uh, Another one I do is I inhale with a smile and I say peace as I exhale. So inhaling through the nose with a smile and then peace. Now, you can do this without actually verbalizing it as well. You can do it with your mouth closed and say peace in your mind. And what you'll find when you do it is you feel a texture and a tone sort of in your throat and to the back of your throat. And what this is, is this is working on vagal tone. So your vagus nerve is the main nerve used to activate the synthetic nervous system. So any breathing and breaths that we can do that you really feel um, with a texture and, you know, it's a vibration, it's a feeling in the back, sort of the back area of your throat, that is also super soothing for that nerve, which is a really good thing. So that's another one. Um, Another one for vagal tone is what I call pirate breath. Which is inhaling. Now I habitually inhale with a smile because I want to get everything out of what I do. You know, I'm multitasking, so I want that, those, those beautiful feel-good cocktail of um, hormones and things being released. So pirate breath is inhaling again through the nose. And this one you let out with an (sighs) ah as long as you can. And that's also supporting some vagal tone there and I mean that's a cool one for kids too if you've got kids you can get them involved and, and do your, your pirate breath there's there's just a, a few others that I'll name but not necessarily go into ujaya breath or ocean breath which is a yogic breath which again is super soothing this one is excellent to do just before bedtime it is very effective at calming the body down there's sighing When you sigh, you sigh for a reason.
2: (sighs) Also super soothing. Uh, Humming is really great as
0: well. And then if you're you're in a place when you're feeling really, really stressed and you feel like you can't meditate your way out of it and you've tried the deep breathing and that's not working, my go-to is laughing. And this is something that I have, I, I do laugh to yoga every day, but I've also found the benefit in laughing when you have an acute uh, response to something, whether you feel a sudden uh, rush of stress or uh, you crash into a chair or something like that, like was when I fell over. I slipped, I slipped in the ice the other day. So Laughing reduces the amount of serum cortisol in the blood. It releases dopamine and serotonin, which we've talked about, reduces depression and anxiety. It actually makes you feel happy. According to research, it makes you sexier and more attractive. There's a whole host of research, really good solid research on the benefits of laughing. Okay. Now, the other thing about laughing is, and this is a beautiful thing, when you laugh, your body thinks everything is okay, right? Yeah, it makes everything, it makes your body think everything's okay. Your body's like, hang on a minute. They're releasing serotonin, dopamine. Everything must be okay. We, we can't. Our life can't be threatened if they're laughing. That's weird. So it kind of confuses the body. And then if you keep laughing through it, your body will settle down because it'll be like, nothing to worry about nothing happening here so the other um week I went for a walk and we've had a lot of snow here lately and there's quite a lot of ice now and I slipped over on my bum and the ice and I and then there's this part of, and you have that pause and I'm like oh yeah yeah that really hurt and so I started laughing and I didn't stop for about three or four minutes so any sympathetic response, any fight or flight response, just calmed down, went away. I woke up the next morning, no problem, no bruise, no soreness, no nothing, completely nothing. And I think that that is hugely profound and hugely powerful.
1: Oh yeah, you don't uh, you don't have to uh, twist my arm to think about the benefits of laughter. I um. You know, as you know, my background been doing a lot of stand up comedy over the yeah. like, last now twenty one years, and uh I actually got a phone call the other day and got asked to go and fill in at a comedy night and yeah. uh do stand up and I hadn't performed live for two years Why? and uh I had a three hour notice, and I agreed because uh the guy's a nice guy I haven't spoken to him for a long time he's like a comedy club guy. Uh, and it's a sort of a private event, and I sort of specialize in being able to do comedy that's clean but also edgy enough to be <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. and uh, yeah, and just had an absolute blast. And so, yeah, got a couple of things rebooked on the horizon. It just made me you know just reconnect with that. You know we get so we're so serious all the time, especially with the stuff that we deal with 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 our health. Um, yeah. and but but further, but further from that, it's um, it's we can take everything too seriously, you know, and uh, and just to be just to be able to think and behave like a kid again, and just say ridiculous things, saying ridiculous things, like that are shocking. It just when I mean shocking, like surprising, right? Comedy based. It's so much. It's so liberating, and yeah. uh, I couldn't agree more. And um, I think that that helped me a lot throughout the really challenging years to. to also have a release and have something to do that was so, you know, whilst it was a career and, and, and still is a career, um, for me, um, it was also just so frivolous, you know, we need some ridiculous frivolousness something that's just doesn't have any real meaning, but just, just that spontaneousness and stupidity and fun, you know, these things make life exciting. Well, yeah.
0: And I, I love that you described it as liberating because that's exactly what it is. And feel, people feel really nervous about laughing. And if you're a person that doesn't laugh at it, finds it really hard to laugh at yourself, it will be one of the most liberating things you can ever do. And the, the, the thing about that too is I remember I said that the brain doesn't know the difference between real and perceived stimulus. The brain doesn't know the difference between fake and real laughter you have the same physiological response. It doesn't have to be funny. You don't have to be laughing for any reason at all. If you just choose to laugh, your body will dump all these awesome hormones on you and make you feel amazing, release these fantastic neurotransmitters, set off all these happiness things in your body, relax your body, reduce the amount of cortisol soaking around. Absolutely amazing and um, I remember the first time I went to love to do yoga I mean yeah I mean I felt like an absolute wally for about a minute and I was just like okay you know what I can choose to keep feeling like a wally or I can choose to start being you know childlike and silly and ridiculous with this bunch of other, you know, grown adults who are, you know, r- jumping around the room and going, very good, very good, yay, and doing all sorts of silly things. Um, it is so liberating and, and so, so good for you. And there is a quote that says, I don't laugh because I'm happy. I'm happy because I laugh. So it's a choice, it's a simple choice, it's a really easy choice. It's not one you need to think or overthink about so much. You can just choose to do it right now and improve your life. And you know, Urquhart told, Tolle, Tolle talks about the power of now. This is what the power of now is. And every single now, we have a choice. We have a choice how we're going to be in this world. We have a choice about what we're going to choose to have in our world. And every single now that you choose something that you really want that makes you feel good adds up to, you know, maybe five nows, which maybe that's two seconds. And then if you keep choosing that, that's 10 seconds. And then it's 15. And then it's two minutes. And that's an hour. And then it's a week. Then it's a month. Then it's a day. Then it's a decade. You know? The power of choice. And, and right now, and I, I, I really feel like I, I understand that now on a much deeper level than I did before. It, it's, It's everything. It's your entire experience.
2: And it can change like
1: that. Love it. Once you get into and, and enjoy laughing a lot more, it's very, um, it's very addictive and it's hard to actually, you know, stop thinking about that as your sort of pastime. Um, but mm. let's move on to mm. more things as, we, as, mm. you, as you may have uh, other things to teach us.
0: Yes. Oh, right. So the other thing I was going to talk about is bad habits. So, again, this gets back to consciously choosing what you're attending to. Um, Body language is really important. So not only does your brain inform your body of an experience, your body informs your brain of your experience. It's it's a two-way street. So, um, you know, we can have posture like this, which is kind of like, oh, I'm sad, I'm feeling depressed, I don't feel very good, and that's my reality. Or I can actually, you can actually change your mood by opening up your posture, you know, adopting a position of, of power, of openness, of um, calmness, of um, whatever you, you want. So it's really important to be aware of your posture, massively important, because that can change your mood. Absolutely. And then the other thing is the power of language. You know, how do we talk about this stuff? And this took a lot of musing around for me because saying things like, I am in pain, I have a bum hip, I have arthritis, I can't walk. None of these things feel good. None of these things are empowering none of these things leave any room for a different experience, you know, and also you're taking it on as part of your identity and who you are, and you are not your illness, you are not what's happening to you, none of this is is who you are, who you truly are, so it's finding a way to talk about these things that feels more powerful, more self-determining, and I've kind of got two ways that I talk about things. So, for example, I say um, I'm having the experience of arthritis. Um, I'm having the experience of pain. Um, I'm, I'm having the experience of, you know, uh, weakness or something. Because when I say I'm having the experience, for me, it, it, it leaves a gap between who I am and the experience or how I am right now. So between who I am and how things are right now. And in that gap, there's just enough wiggle room for possibility and potential and power. There's power in that gap. There's power in that gap for me to create a new reality and to redefine myself. And so I feel that's really important. Uh, another way of talking about it is, I'm doing arthritis, or I'm doing pain, or I'm, I'm doing a headache, or I'm doing sadness, or I'm doing depression. There's no judgment on it, but it's really important that we come from a perspective. We have power. We have the power to influence our own lives. So, our, uh, making your body language and your the way you talk about things reflect that. I think is super
1: important. Uh that's one of the best ways I've heard that described this leaving a gap between you know the 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 uh the way you're describing your situation and who you are. I love that gap. Anything that follows I am ought to be very 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 supportive because I am sets you up for programming your entire Mind and body yeah. to 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 your into your future self. So uh, yeah. I I was can't remember where I gained this information in the past. Whether it was was it like a seminar or a book that I read. But uh, when we start a sentence with I am, whether it be a thought or out loud, it's programming. That's who you're going to be in the future. So you know I, what you just said. I was just really really taken in by and uh yep so everyone if you uh, be cautious with i am and watch your kids who say i am and listen to people around you when they say i am this i am that you get you get an insight into who they are as a person when you listen enough and gather the phrases that they say because that's the programming eventually of that person because yeah. i am blah 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 uh this this is the most powerful way to Start a yeah. sense.
0: I was just saying, yeah, and for the most part, you know, we are—we repetition. You know, ninety or ninety-five percent of our behaviours are, are not within our awareness, are not conscious. So it's, it's making the the things that aren't conscious conscious and developing an awareness of, of how we are in the world.
1: Exactly, because <laughs> when you hear someone say, you know, oh, I'm so cold today, like <clears> you say, that's not the first time they've said that. It's probably that they say that all the time uh, and that they're just in the, you know, well, it's not a great example, but the, the, the phrases that we say, the thoughts we have, they're often the same things as what we've said the day oh, yeah. before and the same time at that year, the year before, and the same decade before. Um, yeah. So these little snippets are very indicative of a bigger yeah. picture.
0: And to quote an experience I had in Texas – this is what somebody said to me. Yo, yo, not yo, no, y'all, y'all. <laughs> and then they looked at me like I just suddenly appeared. Yeah. Enough said, enough said. The other, the other thing that we we do, um, you know, when we start out on the Patterson program, it's really important for us to write down where we have pain and things and, and how it's improving. And and all that. But when you're in that real sort of, you really are still in a little bit of survival mode, we're often looking for the problems, the, the the things that are hurting, the things that don't feel great. So, you know, turn it around and I call it knit. So it's notice, imagine and trust. So, you know, rather than, just I mean, you know, depending where you are in the program, you you may still need to do that. that may still be something that's really supportive for your recovery and your health and well-being to keep doing. But alongside that, why don't you write down what's feeling really great? you know? why don't you write down everything that's feeling amazing and then imagine how great it's going to feel tomorrow next week, next month and then trust trust your body to do this your body is amazing you know your body is working for you your body wants to return its natural state its natural greatest desire is to be in healthy homeostasis and it's doing everything it can to get back to that state so acknowledge that acknowledge the parts of your body that feel amazing that feel great you know revel in it like look at these hands Woo, you know wow they're really cool just dive into it spend time noticing that and letting that loop around in your brain wow you know this feels good it feels like oh next week I might be able to um you know Lift whatever this, and then a month later, I can imagine myself doing this. Yeah, so really focus on the things that are feeling good.
1: The knit is great. I love knit. I, I might know. Even, I might borrow that and, and it keep
0: scratching my... it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. fantastic. I love that. I'm making a note of that and uh, may uh, may borrow that one in the future. Thank you. Feel
0: free. We can all have knits. Right, the next thing I'm going to talk about, and this is a really important one, is illness habits. So these are things that the thoughts, patterns, behaviors, whatever, that slip into your life, that become part of your identity if you've formed your identity around being unwell, that form part of your identity and serve to reinforce that you aren't well and that you have problems with this and that this isn't going well. Okay, so we all have them. We all have them. It's about identifying what they are. Now, some things may start off as being things that support your health and recovery, okay, and then they might turn into, after you get a a whole lot better, they might turn into something that is an illness habit. So for me personally, I've stopped writing down everything that I'm eating because it became something that was an illness habit. I write, if I write, eat something I haven't eaten for, you know, a wee while now, I will note that. But I don't write down every single thing that I do eat. I don't weigh myself very often anymore because it became part of what I did when I was really, really ill and just trying to survive. I haven't, you know, I don't measure my joints anymore. I can feel the difference. I know, you know, I know how it feels. And There are things that I will do, like, you know, child's pose, (laughs) trying to get into child's pose, Um, and I'll imagine myself doing child's pose, that I do. So I know exactly where I'm at, but I don't need to write that down anymore and I don't need to think about it as much as I did. So um, it's thinking about these things that you've been doing that are no longer supporting your recovery and your healing. And just becoming aware of them and then making a, an intelligent, conscious choice around them. So um, another great one, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done this one, is scanning your body before you move and get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, like that's an illness habit. And that's one that everybody can change. There is no good reason to do that, really. So how about you do a knit? You scan your body for what feels really, really good, you know, and just roll around in the bed, you know, pandiculate, roll around in the bed, do a bit of bed yoga, and get yourself in a really good frame of mind before you get out of bed. And also recognizing that getting out of bed can be a real trigger for a lot of us when we're not feeling great. So before you get out of bed, scan the things that feel really, really great and make a choice. I'm going to get out of bed, and no matter you know, what I'm experiencing in my body, I'm choosing to feel really good, positive, and optimistic about life. Just making a choice.
1: And I um, think that that choice at first is going to be met with so much resistance if it's our first time to do that. Because I remember sometimes trying to even move my leg a millimeter towards the edge of the bed to be able to then shift my upper body enough so that my two elbows could take enough weight to be able to lift my head off the ground, off the bed. I mean, the fact, that we then, and I know I'm just playing devil's advocate here, then have to say, oh, but I'm going to have a, you know, I'm going to be in a positive mindset here. It can be one heck of a challenge.
0: It's it's massive and it can feel insurmountable and absolutely acknowledging that. But every single moment that you choose to feel good is a moment that you weren't before it all represents progress it's like that increasing by one percent thing and there will be you know that you will feel like that but every single thing that you do every single tiny step that you make makes a difference and you know trust that and and really know that um one thing I did was I actually would meditate in bed before I got up so I do a like a Um, feeling good in my body meditation before I got up and, you know, a little laugh. And actually what I would do is I would laugh as I was sitting up. So it's sort of, it serves also to distract you from what's going on. And if you're distracted from this other stuff, then this other stuff is not being hard. Why? You know, it's not, it's not completing that neural loop. So you are making a difference in in terms of how your brain is wired. So, yeah, the the laughing as you get up, I don't know how you give that a nice name. But um, the laughing, we'll get back to you on that one. Think about it. But, yeah, laugh as you get out of bed. Give it a go. I'd love to hear how that is. Tell me about it.
1: Yes, uh, we'll have to ask people to uh, let us know how that goes. We're getting some um, nice comments in the chat here about how helpful this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda says that she's uh, actually stuck at home because she has an injured dog. Uh, so she's housebound yeah. and she's finding joy and a healthy perspective is everything. So uh, mm-hmm. she says thanks. And then we uh, we also have uh, another comment and uh, Linda's wasting 20 minutes trying to talk herself into trying to get up each morning. I anticipate the pain, which can be significant at times, like yeah, yeah. I mentioned as well. You know, this is um, this is why we have you on today to talk about these these things. I mean, the, the mindset side of it, the challenges that are accompanying this disease are just phenomenal.
0: They so, are. Um, mm. They actually make chronic fatigue look like a walk in the park for me, I have to say. Yeah, this is the big kahuna, definitely. Um, Linda, I would love to know how laughing as you get up helps. And, you know, like everything practice, 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 you do it over and over and over again. Yeah, that would be, yeah, I'd love to hear about that. I'd love to hear about that. I mean, it, it certainly, it certainly helped me. <laughs> and, no, you know, be kind so and compassionate so. with yourself. You know, it's okay. And you know, don't expect to go from zero to hero in a day, a week, a year, or even a lifetime. You know, just loving kindness. So that yeah.
1: I did a podcast for those people who are interested more in the science around laughter and its physiological impact on the body uh, with Mark McConville, a fellow stand up comic who I've known for a very long time. And I don't remember. Uh, the month that I released that podcast, but if you type mm-hmm. in Mark uh, yeah. into the podcast history, people will be able to go and watch. And he did a PhD on the benefits of laughter and its effect on the human body as a as yeah. a uh, psychological and and physiological uh, yeah. therapy. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um. What else have you got for us and Oh,
0: quite a few. I'll go.
1: Okay, let's, let's knock these out. Yeah. and then. So that's our
0: have to wake up, our laugh and wake up. Um, the vision board and goals, pictures of things that you want for your life. Put it somewhere really obvious on the fridge, back of the toilet door. Every time you see it, imagine yourself doing it. So this is stuff that Alyssa talked about as well. Viscerally, with every sense in your body, engage every, every sense that you possibly can, imagine yourself doing it. So this is about creating new habits. If you, if you want to create a new thought habit or you have an affirmation or something that you use, anchor it to something that you do often during the day. So, you know, every time you take a sip of your drink, uh, I am happy, healthy and healing. Every time you go to the toilet, you anchor your new habit, that's when you do your team squats and then you, you know, say whatever you want to say. Every time you start your car, Laugh, you know, if you want to bring more laughter into your day. So anchor your habits to things that you do often and regularly throughout the day, okay? Really important. Celebrate the small wins. Now, we're not just talking about, um, you know, oh, yeah, today I walked 100 metres. It's like, yeah, today I walked 100 metres, you know, dive into it, feel good about it, make that sensation, make that feeling last as long as you can and revisit again and again and again and again. Think about that, that 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 idea that we use that, you know, when I say it's something silly, revisit, how many times I revisited that. Well, you want to revisit this positive thing that happened more times than that. You want to do it as much as possible. And this is such a powerful lesson for your children and, and things as well, to learn to really revel in the goodness and the good things that happen. I have a, oh, here it is, a positive jar. I haven't written positive on it. I've just put green for go. And some kind of lentil, put it somewhere obvious. Do this with your family. Every time you say something nice to yourself or to someone else, in goes a bean, right? Once you get to however many beans, reward yourself. But how often do you reward yourself? You reward children and you reward other people but how often do you reward yourself, you know, give yourself credit where credit's due, you know, you're working really hard to get well, so, you know, celebrate that, celebrate your efforts, celebrate everything you're doing out of self-love to make your life better and your family's life better, feel good about it, so that's the positives, Joe. um, Gratitude on the fly, so not just gratitude in the evenings, but as you're out and about in the world, I am so grateful for that butterfly, it's so beautiful, I'm so grateful for the blue sky and the sunshine today, I'm so grateful for these sheets on my bed, I'm so grateful for the warmth from the fire, I'm so grateful for this delicious food anything everything I mean you know if you have to scrape the bottom of the barrel and be thankful for um, in our first world lives having water from attack then that's what you do. there is always something to feel grateful for even in the depths of despair so do what is off you know make it again habitual something that you do all the time rather than just resolve to writing it down. But it's also good to review those before you go to sleep at night because gratitude helps activate the parasympathetic nervous system and the healing um, state that we need to be in. So you like ch- supercharge your sleep for healing, which is um, a really good thing too.
1: If people, if people don't sort of feel connected with the word gratitude, is if it's just a word that just sort of just doesn't really – sort of uh flow easy
0: uh, mm.
1: any anything that reflects gratitude can can substitute for example you can say you know how good is that or how good is this or how awesome is that or this is brilliant all of these things are kind of acknowledging mm. beauty and acknowledging goodness which is appreciation and yeah. so okay. yeah so we can just develop a phrase. How good is that? How good is that? How good is that? You know, or yeah. how? I love
0: this. I love yeah. that. Yeah, mm.
1: it can be a different, uh, a different sort of uh, piece of language with the same impact. So, um, mm. yeah, we don't actually have to use the word gratitude if people it just it doesn't flow off the tongue. Think of something else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other couple of things I just wanted to say too was beliefs, and Alyssa went a lot into this, but. You know, if you don't believe in miracles, they won't happen. It's as simple as that. If you don't believe you can heal, you won't heal. So I think Henry Ford said it when he said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So what does it cost you to believe in miracles? You know, what does it cost you to believe in something greater and something better and something more for yourself? Question mark dot. Um, you know, your beliefs are, are so important. So uh, notice, notice the way you talk about things and, and get curious and go, oh, you know, well, oh, what does. To what do I believe? Well, that sounds like I believe this and just notice it. And you know, you're an adult, you can, you can make a different decision, you can change your story, you, you don't have to believe the things that your parents did, or you might have a whole lot of beliefs that you're not even, aren't even aware that you have, because you've just sort of adopted them without, um, without knowing, without your own knowledge, it's just something that sort of happened, and you're like, oh, I'm acting like I believe this, but in actual fact I don't. I I prefer this belief over here. You know, you can pick them and choose them, you can throw them out. It's up to you. Yeah. Chuck them, you know. Get rid of some of the ones that aren't serving you, that aren't um, aren't working for you. Definitely. And then the last thing is. Reengaging with your passions and the things that you love and the things that you enjoy, you know, reading inspirational books, watching funny movies or TV shows or, you know, getting outside, just anything that you love. I don't know, knitting. Um <laughs> You know, just whatever you love and find a way of doing it. Okay, you might not be able to do it the way that you want to do right now, but there certainly is some way that you can enjoy it and, and reconnect with it and get those feelings of that you get when, you,
1: when you're doing it. Yeah. A beautiful session, and uh, thanks for uplifting us and bringing your energy and passion. Uh, I'm going to let you summarise this because you've been so well spoken, and and I just <laughs> want you to wrap all this up for us. But and uh, do my usual conclusion in your words, please.
0: Oh right. Oh gosh. Um, well, that's big, a big, a big ask, isn't it? I guess really, it just gets down to doing what you can to develop your awareness of of the conscious choices that you're making and the things that you're choosing in your life. Really prioritizing and focusing, calming your body and filling your life up with things that you love and enjoy and um, just trying a whole lot of different things, seeing what works for you, pick and choosing. You know, if something that works, great, keep it going. If this isn't so great, move on, find something else. There's always something there and every single thing that you do, every single positive step that you make is supporting you in your healing and recovery. And trust that because you're amazing and your body is amazing.
2: Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.